So this evening's message is definitely not a Christmas message. That's all going to start next week from uh, staff and myself preaching over the Christmas season. Uh, but this evening, I thought it would be very important uh, that I uh, confront an issue that has come up in our church. And it's not us, it's what the letter of Pastor Brent to our church. And I wanted to, and I'm going to preach a message about Calvinism and why we don't stand for Calvinism. Um, it, since he sent us that letter and I read it to you folks, I've been fielding lots of calls, texts, and emails concerning it, and I'm more than happy to do that, and I will continue to be more than happy to do that. Uh, but I do believe that as a leader, the leader has a responsibility to refute or accept things that are happening, and it's a refuting tonight, okay? It's not a debate situation where I'm, we're thinking about it. It's absolutely not, and you'll know that as I preach this tonight. Uh, but it's important that you know what the leadership believes and what direction we're going. It's written out in our Constitution what we believe, and I think it's vitally important that you know that from the leadership point of view of Mississauga International Baptist Church as uh, your pastor, that I have no desire for it, none whatsoever. I'm totally opposed to it in any fashion. I think it's a dangerous doctrine, and uh, I hope you understand where we stand is not that way, and we're not even heading in that direction, as is the staff of our church, Pastor Matt, Brother Caleb, and our deacons. None of us accept that doctrine. All right, so you need to know that. Uh, when you hear things uh, that are contrary, uh, sometimes there can be confusion, right? When I hear things that don't, and I'm not even talking about spiritually, but just in life, I know this is true, then I hear something that's counter, sometimes it can cause confusion. Does confusion ever lead to something good? Not in my life anyway. It causes more confusion and it causes more problems. So that's the, that is the basis of why I want to approach this is so that you know where we stand. We know the truth. Because I believe we know the truth. All right. This is not a mystery that we haven't figured out yet. The Bible lays it out for us. Uh, as I stated last, uh, Sunday morning, I believe it was, I preached about, uh, uh why we're Baptist. Okay, and I and I mentioned that Baptists predate Calvinism and Reformed theology. Calvinism is not a Baptist distinctive or belief. Okay, you need to understand that it's not. Uh, and Calvinists actually persecuted Baptists. Now I'm not going to go holding grudges of what happened a couple hundred years ago, but you have to understand that it took place. Okay, they don't believe the same way we do. Okay, it's not part of a, and I understand there's Baptists who take that theology. I understand that. It happens all around us. But it's not, it's not our heritage as Baptists. And, uh, there is a difference between, the, the reason that they persecuted Baptists was because there's a big difference between our theologies. Alright, and they were trying to enforce their theology. Uh, and I find it very difficult to understand it, how you can just take one part of Reformed theology, soteriology, which is salvation, and not take the rest of it. I have a real difficult understanding with that. Uh, if that's what you're going to believe, you're going to take it all. You know, it, because it's it, just like our theology builds upon itself, so does their theology build upon itself. You can't just take one building block and stick it in yours. It's going to rupture things. Uh, and in my own experience over the last uh, 20 years in the ministry... I have seen men embrace uh, Calvinism. And I, I, I didn't do the percentages or anything, uh, but the, the vast majority fall in between one of these two positions. They accept Calvinism, and they are no longer in the ministry. 
or they embrace Calvinism, that soteriology, that salvation uh, theology, and then they go totally into Reformation. Because that, that actually makes more sense. If you're going to take that part of salvation theory or a theology, you're going to go right down that track the whole way with Reformation. Very few that I have known of in my 20 years of ministry have not done one of those two things. These probably represent like 45%. There's probably about 10% who haven't done either one. But it just leads wrong paths. And I believe we know the truth. Amen? We can know the truth. And, and so when you know the truth, there is not chaos. He's your secure in the truth. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not in chaos tonight because I know that God loves me. Amen? It's truth. So I know it. Uh, and uh, I, I can remember as a child, my uh, parents would encourage me to have good friends. Any other parents here encourage your kids to have good friends? Just one? What? Of course you all do. If you don't, we talk after, okay? Uh, but you encourage your kids to have good friends. And I'm so glad my parents instilled that in me, to have good friends. And the reality is, you still need to have good friends as adults. But your mama's not telling you anymore. And, and the two major reasons that I have seen why men... Our individuals, I'm talking about men in leadership now as pastors and things, have gone down that direction of Calvinism is who they're reading and who they're following. They're friends. Alright? That's too really, and, and it's just not involved with Calvinism. That involves everything in your life. Alright? Every part of your life has those things, two things affect you. And I want to give you a couple books, uh, not actually give you, but I'm going to give you names of a couple books that you need to read. That will help you understand why we're not Calvinists. Okay, first one is Dave Hunt. What love is this? It is a lengthy read. Okay, uh, and uh, it's good though. I understand I don't. And reality is, I'm not going to agree with everything a writer is going to write. You've got to have some discernment, right? You've got to have some. But he d- refutes the, the, the position of Calvinists and why he does not believe that. So that's a great book for you to read. It's long. It's lengthy. Uh, and then there's another one by a fellow by the name of Jeff, uh, Jeff Ambosch. Uh, he wrote a book about Calvinism, much smaller, still a good read, still hits the issues. Uh, and I'm going to see if I can't find some of those, especially the smaller one, um, and see if we can't have some here for you in church so you can read that and understand it. Uh, and, I, and I'll be honest, I have dealt with people with Calvinism before, and I feel like there's a lot of double talk. So I want to know the truth. Lead me down to the truth. And I believe these two men... And there's other books out there. If you know the good one, you can let me know as well. Uh, but uh, I just want you to have some resources that can help you. I mean, I'm going to stand for the, what the Bible says. That's what I'm going to stand for. I'll be help. But sometimes reading a book that is a right perspective helps you as well. And uh, right now in North America, there has to seem to be a major wave of men following Calvinism. I, we don't hear about it in our church because why would I bring it up? We don't believe that. But I know, I've seen, I've met and talked to men, I've attended conferences, and it seems to be a wave right now of this taking place. And I, I don't know if it's because they want something new, uh, though this doctrine has been around for hundreds of years, and sadly it often goes hand in hand with changing versions as well. Uh, but at any rate, it's sad to see this occurring. And I, I don't come really excited about preaching this message because it affected us, Right? affected us. Let's just be super honest. Someone who, part of our church, believed this, and it hurts. I'm going to be honest, it hurts. 
And I don't want uh, anyone else to go down that path because I don't think it's biblical. I don't see it as the Word of God. I do not take this as I am bashing anyone. It's just it, I want you to know the truth. The truth will help you. There will not be chaos. And tonight's message I borrowed heavily from a pamphlet uh, that was written by uh, Dr. Baker many years ago. Uh, Dr. Baker was thoroughly disgusted with how Calvinism was enticing men uh, throughout Canada. Uh, and uh, he wrote and preached against it greatly, which I'm very thankful for. And I want you to know that Calvinism will find no friendly embrace in this church. Uh, it won't. It's not part of who we are. So before we go any further, let's look to the Lord in prayer. Dear Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for the truth. And Lord, I pray you help us to understand it and help us to understand error. And Lord, I pray you just be with us now in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. So 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of, uh, of our God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. Titus 2.11 says, For the grace of God brings salvation have appeared to all men. And then the second Peter three nine says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The Bible clearly teaches that God's plan of salvation includes the whole world. Everyone. These facts are seen in these verses, expressions like whosoever believeth, all men. All should come to Him, the whole world. They're found repeatedly in these portions of Scripture. So we know that that's what the Bible says. And uh, The Bible makes sense. Uh, I mean, there's times when I don't understand what the Bible says, but it's not a book that is full of confusion. I'm confused because I don't know the truth. So once I get in the Word of God and see what the Word of God says, it, does, it's not, it makes sense. We shouldn't try to complicate it. We shouldn't be trying to do that. Uh, that. That There's a movement, a teaching, a system of theology that does not believe what the Bible says. And the proponents of this theory explain the above verses, the ones I just read for you, in a different way. They explain it totally different. And their explanation goes away with the all-inclusiveness of God's salvation. Some teach that man is in a state of inability to come to the Lord unless God somehow revives him. They also say that his, his decision to draw the sinner or to choose him is based on God's election. God's picking him or choosing him. And since it's God's choice, it's unconditional. I'm, I'm telling you, this is what the theory is. This is not what we believe. This is the theory that they promote. Then they go a step further and say that if God is the only, the, that God is only going to draw some based on his sovereign choice, his unconditional choice, then he must have only atoned for those he knew he was going to elect. Then he goes a step further and say that if God chose them, if God died for them, if God's drawing them, then there's absolutely nothing they can do to refuse or resist. They will have no choice but to respond to God. Then they go one step further and say that if they respond, they must endure or they must preserve, uh, persevere because they've been chosen by the Lord. And that system is what we call, is known as modern day Calvinism. The fathers of this system was Augustine and John Calvin. So there's two spectrums. So there's Calvinism, which I just described to you, and then there's another system, another system of belief called Arminianism. 
Okay? And people have asked me, are you a Calvinist or are you an Arminianist? I say, neither. I have no problem saying that. Not for a moment. I reject both Calvinism and I reject Arminianism because the Bible rejects them. It's not me as the judge. The Word of God is. And their systems of theology, I don't see them as being biblical. I don't see Calvinism as being a biblical doctrine. I understand they use verses. Uh, Calvinism is, and it's definitely not a Baptist doctrine. Okay, uh, Calvinism came from the Reformation theology. And it has always been at the very heart, the very core of all the denominations which came out of the Reformation. Presbyterians, Lutherans, you know, uh, that, those type of churches, they all accepted that type of teaching. So Augustine, he is really, I mean, you would read some about John Calvin, you'll find out that he really looked at Augustine as somebody as great. His salvation testimony is extremely vague. He's a, he was an admirer of Plato. He had been called the first real Roman Catholic. He was wrong on baptism, the church, scriptural interpretation. He took an agricultural view, so he, he didn't take a literal view of the scripture. He was wrong about the sacraments. He was wrong about the Lord's Supper on eternal security. So I'm, I'm going on a limb saying, why would I believe he got it right about salvation? When he had all these other things, and they're important things. These aren't not minor hobby horses, okay? Uh, and I would go even further and say, it's a dangerous doctrine. It's dangerous. Uh, some very well-meaning, very sincere people believe in Calvinism. Uh, I don't think they know about it. And they would pray something along the lines of, Lord, sometimes we don't know how to pray, but we know that those that you have chosen will come to you to be saved. Well, that's Calvinism in a prayer. Uh, when I pray, I'm asking the Lord to convict that individual because I know God wants all men to be saved. That's what I'm praying. Now, I understand that individual can make the choice because we all have free wills. Okay? But I'm praying and I'm expecting God to answer my prayer. At the end of the day, that individual has got to make that decision. And for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 And I already read for you 1 Timothy 2, verses 3 and 4 that He would have all men to come unto Him. So the tulip... Some, and Brother Baker, Dr. Baker's uh, pamphlet, he wrote, uh, The uh, Deadly Flower, and other people have referred to it as that as well. They've created an acrostic, just like we have Baptist acrostic, they have a, a tulip. So T stands for total depravity, U stands for unconditional, unconditional election, L stands for limited atonement, I stands for irresistible grace, and P stands for the preservation of the saints. And it all sounds very clever. It does. It sounds very clever. And it even sounds logical. Okay, it sounds logical. And each point is based on the following, on the previous point. So it follows a systematic order. It's all done on purpose. And they say it's supposed to magnify God. It's supposed to exalt God, His goodness. And it's supposed to exalt God's grace. Well, I have a high time believing any of that. Okay, and especially does not magnify His grace. I mean, it really does not. I've, I've met some people who say, well, I'm, a, I'm not a five-pointer because that's five points I just mentioned, right? And then there's others say, well, I just believe in two. I think that's a waste of breath. be totally honest with you. Okay, a fellow by the name of David Cummins wrote a book, uh, This Day in Baptist History. I don't know if any of you, it's, it's an older book. You might have it. Uh, and he's a fundamental Baptist, which I am as well. 
Okay, and I'm not ashamed of that. And he says, uh, are not, in his book, he says, are not two points or five point Calvinists anymore than I am, uh, would be considered a one point Catholic because I, the local priest and I concur or agree on abortion. Right? I'm not anymore. I'm not a one, two, three, four point Calvinist. I'm not. Fundamental Baptists are biblicists. We believe the Bible. That's what we believe. Where Calvinists, Arminians agree with the scripture, we will agree with them. Amen? Because they're agreeing with the Bible. But that does not put me or, and, and put me belonging in a camp like that because historically, Baptists have always predated both of their positions. That's what he wrote. And I absolutely agree with him. Absolutely. Aren't definitions important? Definitions are very important. Do you believe in total paraphernalia? Yes, but depending on your definition, we need to discuss that. Definitions are important. So I'll give you an example. Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. That's an interesting name. It's not a church. Not according to the Bible. They're not of Jesus Christ. And they're not saints. Oh my, I'm in big trouble now. Uh, they use the King James Version of their Bible. However, they surely don't believe the same way we do. So you need to understand the definition. Of what is being said. And that's, this doesn't uh, refer to this topic I'm talking about this evening. It talks about all topics. What is the word? What does it mean? So total depravity. I believe in total depravity, but I do not believe in total inability. God has given all men the light to make the uh, um, responsible choice. Take your Bibles and turn over to Matthew 23. He holds Jesus, the Lord, our God, holds everyone responsible for the choices they make. Does that make sense? Absolutely he does. Matthew chapter 23 and verse number 37. This is Jesus. Uh, before Jesus went to the cross, he stands in the hills outside Jerusalem and he says these following things in verse number 37. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how oft would I have gathered thy children together, even as hen gatherer chicks under her wings, and ye would not. Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. So Jerusalem is not the actual city. The people that make up the cities, who he's referring to, they made a choice, right? The word had been preached. God held her accountable for their choices. And they said, no. That's what that verse says in verse number 37. Ye would not. It's indication of free will. They're totally sinners, yeah. But they had the ability to say yes or no. Had ability to say yes or no. So they made their choice. God has given us enough light through preaching, through the gospel, through creation, through the revelation. Uh, and the Holy Spirit is convicting and drawing people. Hey, I've heard so many missionary stories of people who are praying in little villages in different parts of the world. Lord, send us someone to tell us the truth. We know that this system is wrong. And guess who shows up? A missionary who tells them about Jesus and then they go on to tell them, I prayed for you two years ago and now you're here and now I'm saved. Hey, that's God. They, he, he brought that along because that person made a choice. I'm going to follow. I want, I want to know the truth. Isn't our God amazing? He's totally amazing. Unconditional election. We reject that. You. 
We already looked at some scriptures we already read. The Bible says that God wants all men everywhere to be saved. How much more can we say? And it's not us saying, it's the Word of God that says it. The Bible, and Jesus says, and ye, and ye would not come to me that ye might have life. Jesus got his arms wide open, come to me. Come. You know, there's not going to be a population problem in heaven, right? Come. Come. We have lots of room. Come. Uh, the, the, the Calvinists or the theory of the Calvinism, the, the theology would have us believe that man cannot come to God unless they've been picked by Jesus. Hey, listen, God knows everyone's going to be saved, right? Wait, that's not even a point of debate. God knows everything. But God's not sitting on his throne saying, him and him and him, no one else. No, we already said that we have free will. We can choose. He wants them all to come. So it's not unconditional election. It's for everybody. And man, there's so many verses that talk about it. Come to me. Come to me. I'm, I died for the whole world. Everybody come. A limited, limited atonement is the next one. Absolutely not. Jesus Christ died for the sins of the whole world. Amen? The whole world. For there is, none, there is one God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave him a ransom for all to be, des- to, to be testified in due time. Look over in Hebrews chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter number 2. And verse number 9. Hebrews 2, verse 9. But we see Jesus, who is made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crown and glory and honor, that He, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. That's not limited atonement. That's for every man. It's for every man. First John 4, 14, it says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. World. Jesus Christ was sent to be Savior of the whole world. Irresistible grace. Absolutely not. Placing the world irresistible before grace is not an appropriate way of doing it. It's like calling Christian rock music. Okay, The two just don't go together. His grace is unmerited favor, right? It's unmerited. We don't deserve it. God gives unmerited favor. And so, irresistible, unmerited favor? What? That doesn't, they don't go. Uh, many have had the opportunity to be saved. Uh, many have been in this service week after week. They've heard this message of salvation. I can think of people in the previous church I have ministered in and church I grew up in where individuals would come and they would hear the gospel preach. They would hear the gospel preach and they would resist the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I have literally seen men, as happened more with men than, anybody, than with ladies, I've actually seen men run out the door so they will not have to talk to me because they're convicted by the, the message they've heard. But they're, they're, they, what they're doing is exhibiting their free will. They're not going to make that decision. They're not predestined not to be saved. They're refusing at the moment. Perseverance. Absolutely right. We don't preserve ourselves. God preserves. Amen? He takes care of it. It's Jesus who keeps us saved. Peter said we are kept by the power of God in 1 Peter 1.5. Uh, and Paul, uh, that was Peter. And Paul says, Wherefore he is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. 
No, I really think that a lot of the questions that we have about different theologies can be answered if we would just be students of the Word of God. Rather than just taking what we hear and, and, and don't take this wrong, because I listen to individuals on the Internet that are good quality individuals, but I think Christians spend way too much listening to garbage. The guys out there who do not believe the same way that we believe. You know, and hey, I have no problem. I listen to a fellow evangelist every day almost for devotions, part of my devotions. He's a great speaker. He's on the same page and it encourages my heart. I'm not going to go listen to someone who believes in a universal church or believes in Calvinism. I'm not going to be involved with that because I don't believe that. It goes back to what I mentioned earlier about who, who's influencing us. Okay, Make sure that we're getting in the Word of God and see what the Word of God says. So the five points of biblical, uh, Bible teaching, what we believe about salvation. Point one, the lost condition of all men. All men are lost. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Amen? We all know that. Uh, and it's been preached from this pulpit before me, and it will continue to preach while I'm here as pastor, and I pray the next one will do the same thing, because that's what we see in the Word of God. Point number two, the opportunity for all to repent, to trust Christ and be saved. The opportunity to be saved is available for everyone. You know, I was actually just talking to someone this evening, a friend of ours who was a professor at the college we went to, talked about how he knew a Calvinist pastor, and that Calvinist pastor told that professor that he did not know if God loved his children. Could you imagine living in that kind of situation? Because he totally believed in Calvinism. He doesn't know if God's going to save his kids. I'm going to guarantee you right now, that was, a, that was one of the first things I started praying for my kids as soon as they were born. Some of them before they were even born. Lord, please save my child. Lord, I'm going to be a good witness and I'm going to bring them to church. Lord, please see them get saved. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to tell you that all accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. But it took work. It, told, it took me talking to them and told their mom speaking to them and their Sunday school teacher and hearing at church. You just didn't throw them out like, well, if you're going to be saved, you'll figure it out on your own. No. No. Opportunity for all to repent and trust Jesus Christ as Savior. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering usward, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. Everyone. Point three, total atonement is available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? It's available. First John, look over first John chapter two. It's not limited atonement, it's total atonement. It's for everyone. First John two and verse number two. And He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word propitiation means appeasement or satisfaction. That's who Jesus is. That's what was done when He shed His blood. He appeased God's wrath. He appeased what was necessary. He satisfied the qualifications, what was needed to remedy sin for man. He was able to provide salvation because of His shed blood. Point number four, the unsaved person's ability to direct to reject Christ. All men have the ability to reject Christ. Because we have a free will. Let's think about Adam and Eve. Just for a moment. They had the ability not to sin in the garden, but they were tempted and they sinned. 
And the reality is they turn from the Lord. Everyone has that ability. Uh, it, it's not that well, we have some like magnetic force that we cannot turn from God. No, we have to make the choice. And I think everyone here would say that they believe and would want to see everyone they know make that choice for Jesus Christ. Yeah. When I pass out a track, I'm not like, I'm wondering if I'm giving this to someone who's not a, a preordained to be saved. No. I'm giving this track because I want you to be saved. Because the Word of God tells me that He died for everybody. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. I can't make you be saved. I want you to be saved, and I can be passionate about it, and I can talk about it, and I can tell you how the Lord's changed me, but you make the choice. You make the choice. Look over in John chapter number 10. John chapter number 10. In verse number 28. We believe in the security of every believer, and that's through Jesus Christ. John ten twenty eight. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Once you're in God's hand, you're always there, amen? You don't get removed. You can sin, you can do wrong, and God will convict you, and He will get you back where you need to be. Uh, but that's what He does. It's not us persevering. God takes care of us. God takes care of us. Let's always remember, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He didn't come to save that those who were chosen, but lost. Men everywhere are lost. Jesus came to save them all. Now, I understand that not all will accept. I understand that. I have someone as a family or as an individual that was in our family, still is, uh, uncle, who has heard the gospel so many times, but he still rejects. I'm not going to stop praying for him. He still can be saved. I believe that with all my heart. I think of stories of men who uh, uh, had great ministries and they had friends who were lost and they prayed for them while they lived. And, and I remember one story. Oh, man, I can't remember the guy. The guy who had the orphanage in George Mueller. His friend got saved in his funeral, and then he had another friend get saved years after. God answers prayer. You know, and the reality is the choice of salvation is up to the individual. And that's that's where we're going to continue. We're not going to change that course. That's the course we plotted. We see that. And it's not because we plot it as a as a group of board members or hierarchy. We see it from God's words. Okay? That's why we're not going to change. I really believe with all my heart that tulip is a deadly flower. I absolutely believe that. An unconditional election to heaven, a predestined to heaven, will let others go to hell. I find this part very uh, discouraging to think that it would be considered this a predestination to hell. Well, if you think some are predestined to hell, well, you don't think some. That's why they believe is you're predestined to heaven, then some are predestined to hell no matter what you tell them. Well, from God's Word, I see that all men can come to Him. We can bring the message to everybody and they accept. And again, it's their choice what they will do with it. So if that's the case, then the God of grace sounds like a monster. If only some are elect and then the rest are going to hell with, with no hope. Aren't you glad that our Savior is hope? I'll be honest, when I think of Jesus, that's one of the first words that come to my mind is hope. 
You know, those blind men along the way, Jesus came by, he called out, blind by our men, Jesus! Jesus! Help me! Why would he do that? Because he saw hope and he was blind. He knew Jesus was hope. My God is a God of grace. Amen? My God is not a God of respecter of persons. He's not respecting this one to go to heaven and this one to go to hell. No, He respects everyone. He's not a respecter of persons. He wants all to come to heaven. He wants all to accept Jesus Christ as Savior. In fact, there's not one biblical statement that God acts to ensure just to preserve or save just a few. He came for all. For all. Except ye repent, ye shall likewise perish. God didn't say just some of you repent or that some of you are predestined there to hell. No, repent. All. Man is lost. And man is being... Uh, Reproved today by the Holy Spirit. Hey, and, you know, and then we see this. Uh, I can think of times uh, uh, in Newfoundland, you know, obviously smaller communities, people talk a little bit more and things of that nature. Around here, you got to really get to know people. But I remember my neighbor found out that I was a Baptist minister. Man, he came over to me and he started telling me all his problems. And like I'm telling you, some of these problems I did not want to hear about. And he was just laying up there. And I finally said, why are you telling me these things? You don't even come to my church. He goes, I just felt like I had, I felt guilty. I did, I wasn't the one making him feel guilty. I didn't even know he did it. And some of the stuff I wish I still didn't know he did. Okay? The reality is, that's the Holy Spirit working in that individual's life, right? He's convicting, and I just happen to be a light in that man's life. And we're all called to be lights, right? We're supposed to show our lights. Uh, we're supposed to be lights to those around us, to the darkness. And he, that's what I saw. he saw me as. And he felt he needed to talk to me. I told him about salvation and things. He never got saved that I'm aware of. But I was able to give him the gospel. That's because the Holy Spirit was at work in that man's life. Some people want to pull a theology book to see what Mr. So-and-so said on a topic. Let me encourage you. The, what you need to go first is see what the Bible says about a topic. You know, and I mean, I mentioned some books earlier that you know I encourage you to read and understand. They're men, they're sinners, they're lost. They were lost, and now they're saved. They can make mistakes, but the Word of God has no mistakes. So you can find the truth within it. That's the place to find the right answers. I'm not opposed to using references down the way, but again, be careful about who you do use. Let's not leave our great heritage. I'm proud to be a Baptist. I have, and it's not going to change. Now let's intensify, intensify our, our, our love for souls with a compassionate heart for our community and show them Christ. And let's remember that we, we do make a difference, amen? Sometimes we think, oh, we're not making a difference. You are making a difference. If you're reaching souls for Jesus Christ, you are making a difference. Maybe with a spouse or family or friends your neighbors or co-workers. God has given us the responsibility to bring the message to them. Hey, we're part of God's plan for salvation in the sense that we put out the plan. Amen? We're talking to people. We distribute tracts and uh, we tell them about Jesus. People come to our church and they hear it preached from the pulpit. That's all part of putting forth, proclaiming the gospel. We're taking care of the Great Commission. And it's not going to change. Be watching out for the deadly flower, the tulip. Okay? It, it, it won't, as I said earlier, won't find a friendly embrace here. 
but we can give a friendly embrace to the lost and show them Jesus Christ. They need Jesus. If you, I mean, I don't even like watching the news anymore. But you watch the news and you can see, man, our country needs Jesus more now than ever. Our, 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 our neighborhood, our city needs a church that's concerned for their souls and will tell them of Jesus. And that's what I desire our church to be. And I believe that's your heart as well. So we know the truth. Let's just plug forward. We don't need to be confused. There does not need to be chaos in our hearts. We will just continue following Jesus. We'll follow the Word of God and allow Him to lead, allow Him to open doors for us to reach more folks for Jesus, reach more families for the Lord, and we'll continue serving Him. Aren't you glad you can know the truth? The Word of God. And if you're, and in any subject that you have confusion on or you're not certain on, hey, get in the Word of God and find, and I'll, again, as I've, you know, taken care of texts and emails and things in recent days, I'll happy to answer your questions too. I'm so glad that we have a church family that we're traveling down the life, our Christian life together. You know, you know how many people would love to be a prior church like this? I can tell you right now, everybody I know in small little churches in Cross Canada would love to be a prior church like ours. Church that loves the Lord and is going forward for Him. And that doesn't stop. We're going to continue serving Him. Dear Jesus, thank You for Your Word. Lord, we, we look to You for guidance and we look to You for truth. And we can find it within Your Word. Lord, help us to follow Your Word the best that we can with Your help and with Your empowerment. Help us to be the lights. Help us not to stray from the truth. We'll encourage our hearts as we serve You. I pray these things in Your holy and precious name. Amen.